This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. (whistles) Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However... When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Uh, let's put like this: would be capable of throwing few cup of teas more than uh, Kenny. That's for sure. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the six minutes of injury time. Injury time. Injury time. Knockout takes. Almunia saves. Knockout follows in. Almunia saves again. And now Wobbler on the counter attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Trondinia scores. You're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Joining us this time round, Ronnie Rosenthal. Hello, Ronnie. How are you? Hi, fine. And you? You okay? All very good, my friend. All very good. It's an absolute honour to, to speak to not only, you know, somebody that played for Watford, but a footballing god as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to, to speak to us today. Pleasure. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. So, Ronnie, you were, were born and raised in Israel. That's that's correct to say, isn't it? Correct. Where did your footballing journey begin? When did you start playing football? Uh, so I was born in Haifa, in Israel. It's on the north of Israel, which is the coast town, uh, say, 60 miles up the coast from Tel Aviv, you know. So it's the third biggest uh, town in Israel, if I'm not wrong. Um, yeah, I started playing, uh, you know, I started playing really at the age of six, seven, playing uh, in my neighborhood, in school, but in the school, uh, you know, system in Israel would not really allow you to play. There is no football or football program in school. So I would uh, play a little bit more in the school facilities, let's say, like this, or outside uh, the school neighborhood afternoon, you know, anywhere and everywhere. I've joined uh, the local club Maccabi Haifa at the age of, I would say, maybe 11, 12, which is today quite late, you know. Mm. Uh, nowadays, uh, players are starting much earlier than this, but uh, that's about the age where I started. And, uh, you know, I, I played through the all youth system and up until uh, just before 17, just before I turned 17, I uh, got my first chance, my, basically my debut for the first team. And it was easier 
then because, you know, um, the Israeli league would not allow foreign players to join uh, the league, meaning the best youth players would get a chance quite early on, you know, to play for the first team. So that's where I really started. And I played for the senior team uh, for, I think, six seasons, something like this. Yep. By the age of 22, I uh, just before I turned 23, I uh, signed uh, for a foreign club, which was FC Bruges. And then, uh, obviously, uh, I went to play for another Belgian club. But we'll get to this maybe later yeah <laughs> you know if you want to ask me yeah, yeah. so so yeah so i'm just looking at your statistics here so you were there until 1986 at maccabi and then you went to club bruges uh and you were there for a couple of seasons was it much different going from israel to to bruges absolutely you know it's totally different culture different atmosphere different weather you know i i didn't know anything about uh, belgium at that time I was meant to go uh, one year earlier to Germany. I had a trial for the club uh, Nuremberg. Mentally, I was not ready, so I don't think I've given enough in that trial. And I ended up going back to my club, you know, but but, uh, that irritated me a little bit later. So I decided uh, now I'm not going to mess around and I believe in myself, so I... You know, basically, I joined Bruges. They came to watch me playing, and then they decided to to buy me. At that time, it was a record buying in Israel. Um, if I'm not wrong, transfer fee was about three hundred thousand uh, dollars. At that time, it was like huge amount of money. But uh, you know, for me, I was mentally ready. I had a good time there. Basically, I mean, when I say good time, really enjoyed it. I have adapted very very quickly uh, to the culture to the country to the football of course it took some time because you know uh, the, the, the Israeli uh, football was a little bit more relaxed less pressure but <laughs> it takes you some time to adapt but uh, I, I've adapted after one year and I uh, made quite a good impact yes and uh, so as, as you said I played the two years then after two years I've moved to another Belgian club which was uh, standard Lier. I'm just looking through your um, statistics like I say 427 appearances in your career 110 goals that's quite impressive bit of a goal machine then uh, I would not say that I was a prolific goal scorer uh, because I, I didn't play uh, as a real striker or I did play part of my career especially in the beginning as a, a, a striker but later on I have switched to play uh, you know on the wing yes. you know, uh, which allow you to get maybe less you know opportunity to score but but yeah it's a decent record but it's not uh, bad of course I it's very good yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so when you so when you first started off, were, were you going in as a striker, or was that the position that you wanted to play as as a, as a youngster? I always played the offensive position due to my pace. Basically, mm. that was basically my weapon. Of course, pace was not enough because you need to produce and to do to have a bit from uh, other things. You know, technically, I was not that strong. You know, I think that uh, I was quite intelligent in my game. I have I've set up in my career. I think more assists than goals, you, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, in my head, uh, scoring goals was not the priority. The, for me, always the priority was to do what's best for the club. 
right basically so i really enjoy myself setting up uh, to set uh, goals to set up goals to my teammates whether it's in uh, in israel uh, belgium england or for the israeli national team basically so so really that's what i wanted i uh, basically I was lucky to play in really good clubs. Yeah, this is very, very true because your next move was to Liverpool. Now, you started on loan at Liverpool, that's correct? I uh, started on loan at Liverpool. Just before we come to Liverpool, I before I came to Liverpool, I really sign and this is a nice story because we are talking about Watford in the summer I, when I, I joined Standard Liège uh, in uh, 1988 in the summer yep. by the summer 1989 I was a top scorer at Standard Liège and thereafter I have signed for Udinese oh really oh, yes so this is something quite interesting right. I've signed for Udinese uh, a contract it was my dream at the time not only my dream but you know most football players wanted to play in Italy because at that time it was the best league in the world you know uh, I was not different and it was my dream and I I I signed for Udinese it was like quite big fee like one million dollars transfer fee and you know I have uh, probably I don't know uh, triple my salary and uh, it was amazing uh, things for me but unfortunately couple of weeks after that you know I I, in the eyes of Udinese I failed medical Uh, Udinese decided not to pursue the deal yes and I went back you know, uh, I was frustrated. I went back to my club, Standard Liège, and I continued for one more season. Obviously, came back to a club where, uh, you know, new players came in and I found myself not playing, you know, first team football. So thankfully later, I had the chance to come to do a trial with Liverpool. And then, uh, you know, uh, they decided to sign me on loan. So that that's where we come to this point now, where, right. where, where you started. Okay. Wow. Got ya. I've got ya. That's a ni- nice little story that you don't know, that you don't often hear about. Yeah, I didn't yes. know that at all. And when you finally did sort of transfer to Liverpool, you were the first non-UK player to move to an English club for more than a million pounds. Yes, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> uh, it was a bit more than this, but uh, <laughs> yes, it was amazing for me. It was happy end, basically, because just one year later I failed to sign in Italy and all of a sudden I signed for one of the best clubs in the world you know, you yeah. know so uh, that was due to the fact that I made an impact uh, in the very beginning as I signed on loan. Uh, you know, I by then I was ready. I, I was adapted already to the European culture and everything. So that helped me, of course. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was uh, great things. And, and this is, you can say, the change of uh, kind of fortune or destination because had I signed for Udinese at that time, maybe I would have not played anymore in England. That changed completely the course of my my life. Yeah, Your life, true. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while you were at Liverpool, you must have been playing with Mr. John Barnes at that time, I'm guessing. That would have been about the same time as John Barnes, wouldn't it? Oh, of course. It was amazing to play with John and some other player, but I had a complete understanding with John. Yes, we 
we got on very well on the pitch. We understood very well each other. He was a top player, very intelligent, and uh, really uh, to play in this team with some other top player was amazing, you know, and especially to win up until one year ago, it would be the last uh, championship, to win the last championship. Of course, yes. 1990 yeah. Yeah, was yeah. amazing achievement, you know, which I did not understand how they did not win it up to, you know, whatever, one and a half years ago. Yeah, you know? I think mm. a lot of Liverpool fans were wondering that as well, to be honest. I think, I think they thought, <laughs> Correct. why have we not won this yet? Yeah. Correct. Am I right to say on your loan period, was it seven goals in, in eight games? It was, it, was, it was quite prolific. You made quite an impression there. I, I think the, the biggest thing, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this, the manager at the time was Kenny Dalglish. I'm, I'm quite interested to know what he was like to work with. I met Kenny, uh, I remember I came on my first day, I came to Melwood, uh, to, to meet him this is in the very beginning when I came on a trial first of all I did not understand a word from him you know <laughs> I was because they, ask that. So to start with <laughs> yes, because you can imagine my English was not the best and on top of this it's a Scottish accent so that was uh, no understanding at all I'm lucky <laughs> on my, my first meeting that Ron Yates was the chief scout he was Scottish too but, but his English was understandable basically yeah 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 I've asked Ronnier to translate what Kenny Deglish is talking to me <laughs> to start with. You know, that he was on the floor when I when I asked him to do this. But uh, you know, with the time, yeah, it took me some time. But of course, I've learned. Eng- I mean, I spoke English by then, but you know, not uh, the best. But I've improved my English, and uh, it was. You know, Kenny was very, very intelligent uh, manager, intelligent person, top player. And, uh, you know, he gave me the chance. Uh, I knew that I'm coming to a, a club with uh, full of stars and uh, I would face competition. I did not play immediately, uh, but, but, you know, after three or four games, I got the chance to to start the game at Charlton. You know, he told me mm. one hour before the game, and I'm happy that I took the chance in, uh, in my two hands, you know, and I scored hat-trick at that games, and um, and the rest is history, because I, uh, I, I continue to play until the end of the season. As you said, I scored a total seven goals from eight, appearances and uh, then Liverpool decided to to buy me and funny enough they never thought I'll probably do this they not even took an option on me uh, you know they ended up paying uh, quite a significant amount of money you obviously you know enjoyed your time there and then you, you made a move from there to Spurs after, right. after Liverpool how did that come about you know that was on the cards because uh, in my last two years at Liverpool, I, I, I played less and less. You know, uh, uh, Graham Souness took over from Canada Leach quite early. In the, Possibly another uh, accent that you found difficult to understand. Struggled I struggled <laughs> no, no, no. We don't compare. You know, Graham uh, he is okay. <laughs> okay. In that respect, no, no. I mean, was, was, he, was, he as, was he as scary as he looked on TV? Uh, no, he, he was a little bit more impulsive. <laughs> then uh, Kenny, uh, uh, listen, you can look at his career to see what type of player he was. Mm. So he was a little bit more kind of, uh, uh, let's put it like this, he would be capable of throwing a few cup of teas more than uh, Kenny, that's for sure. You know, <laughs> but, but uh, no, he was... Uh, 
but at least I understood him uh, very well. Uh, yeah, it was a period where you were playing with so many uh, top players, and uh, uh, at that time also Liverpool started facing competition from other clubs. Liverpool at that time, up to the 90s, would buy all the best, uh, probably British players. Yeah, and they have uh, they they completely dominated. But then uh, the club started buying more foreign players, and that's what I think Liverpool failed to buy the best players. And the quality mm. of the players that they bought was not good compared to other clubs, which done much much better. Domination of Liverpool started declining, you know. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so the last two years I did not play uh, a lot or played much less and I really wanted to, I wanted to play. And then I could have gone to a few other clubs, I had offers, but I was at that time already 30 and in my mind I wanted to move to London, basically, you know. Uh, of course, I said that that's my first priority. If I will not get, of course, I will join whatever I have, but uh, then uh, Spurs came uh, and, of course, I did not think twice and I signed for Spurs. So it was, um, at that time, uh, Ardiles was the manager. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. Ozzy, well, yeah. a, le- a legend in his own rights, isn't he? Yes. Yes, Ozzy was the manager. So, uh, and I signed the, the season in 93, 94, yes, where yeah. Spurs really struggled, you know. And I joined Spurs in January '94. Spurs struggle up until really then, up until the early games in April. Yes, uh, uh, but then uh, we we got the points and we you know we we saved ourselves. But you know it was for me great move to to come mm. to to Spurs and uh, and uh, yes, and then later obviously as the situation was not so great, you know, uh, Ardiles, uh, Ozzy left the club and uh, Jerry Francis took over. So that's why I... Would, would that been, was that Alan Sugar's kind of reign? As, was he chairman then? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Jerry has done quite well uh, for the time. Uh, I think that he has upgraded mm. uh, compared to the season where I signed and uh, after that he have upgraded the uh, uh, Spurs and uh, if, I, if I'm not wrong, the season after that we finish sevens and then the season later six play I, I I think so yeah it was it was a tough period for, for Tottenham at that time wasn't it because towards the end of your time there that would have been when the Jurgen Klingsmans of the world would have I, would, I mean he, he would have been there when you were there during that time but I vaguely remember I mean I, I was talking to someone about this the other day I'm sure you played against us in a in a league cup game um yeah, I can't remember if we, and you you might remember better than I do. I can't remember if we beat you at White Hart Lane, you beat us at Vicarage Road. There was it was a, it was a no, two. No, I, I I no no. I, I only remember me as a Watford player. Player. Oh, playing he, okay. Spurs, playing, oh, you remember that one? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, that's yeah. what I remember. Uh, with Watford playing against Spurs and that was just you know maybe I don't know that was in the winter uh, 98 I believe yeah yeah or yeah. maybe 99, beginning of 99, in the, the season where I, the end of the season, I retired from football. But I do remember that game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, let's talk about Watford then, because obviously after Tottenham Hotspur, you, you came to Watford and you dropped two divisions to come to Watford. You've gone from what was the, the, the Premier League to the old Division 2. Tell us how that came about. 
how you decided to come to Watford? So that started where really I was tired of moving around, you know, I didn't want to, and I was happy in London, you know. So I had a couple of offers. Uh, uh, one of the club that uh, wanted it was, um, it was Millwall. Uh, I had, uh, I think, a phone call from Fulham. I think, uh, not sure if Keegan was at Fulham at the time. I can't remember. Maybe. Sounds right. Well, yeah, yeah mm. you could be right at the time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. They, and yeah, I, P- Peter Beardsley went to Fulham at the same time, I think. Yeah, it's possible. I had a couple of, but, but I really wanted to stay uh, where I am. You know, I lived mm. in London. And then. Um, uh, I, I had a friend who wa- was quite close to the Brian Anderson, who was the head of the consortium, who took Watford at that time. And through this uh, common friends, Brian uh, called me, you know, Brian Anderson called me and I told him I would be ready to come to Watford. And then all started, <laughs> he obviously spoke with uh, Graham Taylor. A couple of days after that, I had a phone call from Graham. Graham called me and asked me, um, Ronnie, would you come to meet me at the ground? I said, of course. And um, I came, you know, went to meet him. When I arrived to the stadium, he told me, let's have a stroll at the ground, you know, and talk. So I said, yeah, of course, why not? We, we, we talked and he asked me, look, I'm very much interested. But before we continue, I want to tell you why I'm interested in you. And I said, yeah, I'm very much curious to know why you, you are interested. And he told me that uh, in 1990, when he was leading the table with Aston Villa, Liverpool were allowed to sign a foreign player from Belgium who destroyed my chance to win the league. <laughs> and he told me that he was trying to fight the decision by the league, by the Premier, by, by the with the FA, obviously there was no Premier League, but the FA, he was very, very angry that they were allowed to sign me. And because at that time when I signed for Liverpool, Aston Villa were leading the table. Table, yeah, yeah, yeah. He told me, so that's the reason why I'm interested in you, you know, so... What a brilliant story. Yeah. Yeah, What a brilliant story. Yeah, and of course we agree very, very quickly and uh, I was interested. Although for me, it was a bit very, very strange to stay, to drop two divisions. Mm. This frustration came a little bit later because when I uh, started training, after I signed, I said, you could see the difference when you drop two divisions, you know, with the players, you you know. Mm. And they say, oh God, what I've done, (laughs) you know. But but no, it was, you know, very, very short frustration. I mean, to sign for Watford, I had the challenge, you know, when I basically uh, signed for for Watford and I go back to this uh, to the day when I signed the contract I insisted that I want I wanted a, a promotion bonus and, oh well uh, done well done yeah a, pro- <laughs> a promotion uh, bonus so I remember John Alexander was there with Graham and uh, uh, they say, yeah, of course, we are happy to give you a bonus for promotion. So, okay, they say, okay, we let's agree on whatever the, the fee is. Uh, and then they say to me, uh, okay, can we sign? And I said, not yet. And they asked me, why? What, 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 what's you? I said, yeah, but I want also a bonus to promote to the Premier League. And they looked to each other and they could not believe it. Uh, yeah, of course, we will give you a bonus if we promote to the Premier League. <laughs> so we signed the contract. 
in the end, I did not, I did not receive the the second promotion bonus to the Premier League because it was subject to me playing sixty percent of the game. But obviously, I did not. I was already injured. Second season, I didn't play. It was an, a nice story. But to go back to training, it was for me a challenge to come and to help the young players. And basically in my career, basically a little bit the third coach on the pitch to help the player, guide the young players. Because what for that time had the young uh, players, but good players, good mentality, you know. And yeah. I remember he just uh, reassuring them with their quality, a player like Richard Johnson, Micah Hyde, and yeah. uh, Gifton Noel Williams. Or, would, you know. we could, Gif, Gifton tells a wonderful story about you, actually. We've, yeah. we've spoken to him before. He said, and he, okay. in, in, amongst the, you know, when they, they, they're training and so forth, uh, a, a ball might go stray. And, it, you know, don't quote me on this, but it was basically, Gifton, go get the ball. You know, chase, chase, run, 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 drive. That was the difference between where you'd come from and where they were coming from and 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 kind of meeting your expectations and your, you know, what you'd seen in your past. And I, and I think it, it's quite nice to, to hear that from, from Gifton. And he's gone on now, obviously, he's in, in the coaching side of it as well, which is, which is brilliant for him. Yeah, you know, for me, it was like kind of coming and, you know, that was really my challenge to... Because I believe we can do this. I saw the type of players. Above all, the most important thing, Graham also believed in the squad and he was intelligent enough to decide to bring a player like me that, you know, would be one with experience and help the other players. And there was a good combination, you know, and obviously the result came uh, soon after that. I can't honestly remember anyone running quite as fast as you with a ball at their feet at Vicarage Road, even now. Obviously, you finished your career at Watford, so you were at the advanced stages of your career. I've never seen anyone run quite as fast with a ball as you. Obviously, you were nicknamed Rocket Ronnie because you were just so quick. It was an absolute pleasure to watch you that season uh, in 97-98 because you just knew as soon as the ball was given over to you it was going to go up the wing and it was going to get crossed and you know chances were someone was going to be on the end of it it was just a you know an absolute pleasure there's one game obviously that I'd like to talk to you about during that season that would be the away game at Kenilworth Road when we played Luton do you remember that game well before we start uh, going into the details I, I've been asked but to be honest my memory is not great I do remember the game but I would not for sure remember in detail what you are going to tell me. So okay. I'm not well, sure what you're going to tell me, but I am ready. Well, obviously, there's a fierce rivalry between Watford and Luton. Up until that point, we hadn't had major success playing against them, particularly at their ground. And then sort of 25 minutes into the game, we find ourselves 4-0 up. It was one of those pitch-yourself <laughs> moments. But there was a moment in the game where you were fouled in the box. On any other given day, that would have been a penalty. Do you, A, think it was a penalty? And B, can you explain why it wasn't given? I can't remember at all. I'm no. sorry. I can't. <laughs> I, I, I know. I, I you just remind me, me reminded me another story to do with Luton, okay. but I can't remember that particular moment but at all. Tell us, tell so us that you, story then. Yeah, uh, that story is that couple of months before signing for Liverpool, I was on a trial at Luton. <gasps> yes. Oh. So basically, I came 
in January 1990, so it was two months before I signed for Liverpool, I had a trial at Luton and I've done very well at the trial. And I remember the, the manager at Luton, uh, I forgot his name later, he was Alex Ferguson assistant. So he called, uh, no, no, I, I was with him. He, he, you know, I, I was with him on a trial and I've done very well there. And they put an offer to Standard Liège, but Standard Liège asked more money. So nothing happened. And later on, when I joined Liverpool, Kenny Deglish called him to ask him, hi, I've done in the uh, trial. And he told me that uh, I was excellent. They wanted to buy me. And that gave also Kenny Deglish the confidence to invite me for a trial. You know, so that's a little story. So I I was, uh, you know, nearly signing for for Luton as well. Well, thank thank God. Standard (laughs) Liège asked for more money. But uh, this... Uh, I, if you want to remind me what's happened in that moment with the penalty, I can't so, remember. So going back, yeah, going back to that game, we we were 4-0 up and allegedly at half-time, Graham Taylor had a word with all, all the guys in the dressing room saying, listen guys, we're 4-0 up because it was getting a bit heated at Kenilworth Road, but both me and Justin were there. Allegedly, there was a, a conversation of, you know, calm down, sort of you know ease off a little bit because it's it's all getting it's all boiling over um and then in the, within a f- how many minutes was it in the second half Justin? well i was... can't remember if it was in the second or the first half i just remember i thought it was the second half yeah i think it probably was but, but it was a clear penalty you you went you it, were fouled it, in the box and you went down yeah like and everyone went ah, penalty that it was a hundred percent and and the referee got waved on yeah the referee i mean I, <clears> my my vague recognition of it is the referee looked at it for a very long time and then thought better of it because <laughs> imagine being five nil down. Right. <laughs> so, he wasn't so going to have that, yeah. yeah, I mean, I was there. It was it was a definite penalty, a hundred percent. You it know, was, it'd, be, yeah. it'd be given any any day of the week. But I think purely based on the, the atmosphere and uh, the scoreline at the time, the referee thought better of it. We'll find the footage and send it to you. I'm sure it's online yeah, I'll somewhere. Find it. I'll find it. Yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you. I'll find definitely. It. Yeah. Why not? I, I had uh, some footage uh, sent to me from the Watford career by my son, who later played for Watford too. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But recently, have sent me some footage that he has collected, and uh, so it was nice to see to to recollect. You know, and uh, yeah, because you were only with us for one season. Really, weren't you? You were with us for a no two seasons, two right? Seasons. But you didn't play a lot in the second season, did Correct. you? Correct. It was due to the injury I've done uh, one year. I uh, turned the meniscus. You know, uh, the first season that was against Blackpool. It was an away game at Blackpool, and the second was come later. I mean, the second season, and that completely. You know, when you, you know, I was already. Uh, 33 and mm. I had to, and obviously you know I felt that my pace is not there anymore you know you you, you just uh, you know you don't feel that you have the same performance you know and uh, but to be honest I always I was grateful to Graham Taylor to help me to take the decision to retire because he uh, you, you know, when you are nearly 34, and I had one more season with Watford, basically I've signed for three seasons, we secured the promotion, and in the summer uh, 99, where we were already in the Premier League, the pre-season, in the very beginning, it 
took me uh, to the side and we had a chat and he told me, Ronnie, I, I, he said, I think that you know the same. This is life, you know, obviously it's due to the injuries and uh, we are playing Premier League and we are, and I said to him, you're right. Yes. And wow. uh, yeah, yeah, no, I know. I was honest enough to tell him that I, uh, it's not the same and I... Uh, already in my mind, I said, I'm not going to carry on playing. I had already another direction on my head, you know, in the football consultancy, you know, because I've already helped Watford a year before. I've recommended Graham a few players, a few Belgian players who help us to promote, yes. And that was on my mind. And I said to him, you're right, yes. I, that's my decision. I will retire, and I started. I ended up my career. You know, that's a brave. That's a brave conversation to have with someone. I think you know. I, I guess when you're when you're in and around football for as long as you have, and and when when Graham was, I I, I guess that you have to have those conversations. But I think if you know in that's, your own in your own heart that things aren't right, you know, and you know your own body. It, I it, it I, I knew it my own heart, and mm. Graham was the most honest guy in the world, you know. So if he he thought so, you know, he would come and tell you. And to Mm. be honest, you know, he was honest enough. And I I always, uh, you know, I've sent him a, a letter to thank him for the chance and the opportunity that he gave me, you know, uh, that was maybe a couple of months after me, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe by September, October, I can't remember that year because I've, I've decided to take the retirement in August 99 mm. when we started uh, playing in the Premier League, yes. Mm-hmm. And a couple of months after that, I've sent him a letter thanking him for everything, you know. Obviously, I used to come to watch uh, Watford and uh, he told me that he, is nev- he have never received any letter from a player to thank him for because you know you have in many cases when you leave a club you leave uh, you you f- you fall out with the manager yeah, terms yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was not the case with me. I always, uh, you know, thank him for this. And uh, I, 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 to be honest, uh, I don't know, maybe he has replied to me also, but I forgot to, uh, I, I don't know, I can't find this, but I was asked recently uh, this letter. I could not find it, unfortunately. Mm. Oh, that's a shame. But yeah, that's lovely. That's lovely to, to see that you take the time to, to, to thank him like that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was amazing. It was amazing for, for Watford. And obviously, the letter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, hundred yeah. um, percent. And I've got to say, I really enjoyed your time at Watford. You were fantastic to watch. You really were a great player to watch. Yeah, I think it injected a little bit of life into that team as well because we were sort of languishing up until that point. We weren't really. There's some very thin years leading up to when you joined when you, when you came to us as part of the the team under Graham Taylor suddenly we were winning games and we were getting promoted and two promotions in two years and we sort of kicked on from there so you you came at a time where you know you you and other players really helped to drive us on to to much better things i think yeah i mean as i said before for me it was kind of a challenge and for me to help graham and kenny jacket uh, was the second coach, it was uh, something different, you, you know, uh, because I'm on the pitch and I can see things. And for me to take a player in training and to reassure him and tell him that he's got quality, I remember that I took uh, Micah Hyde or uh, Richard Johnson and I had a little chat with them and I told them, for me, you can go and play much higher than this, you mm. know, 
just uh, you know you you have to you know kind be sometime have this kind of uh, just there to do things on the pitch don't be scared mm. you don't know be scared, yeah. because of the quality and uh, and you could see it coming you know they they slowly slowly you know with the season going they started showing much more and started producing mm. uh, and most of them so for me it was great to have it and you know even games that I was sitting on the bench I I could somehow help uh, Graham and Kenny, you know, to put things right. And uh, for me, it was a different challenge. I was happy to do this. Absolutely awesome. fantastic. That's yeah. awesome. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Didn't get your picks in before the game started? No problem. You can get in the game for the second half. Sign up today using promo code FOOTBALL and get your first deposit instantly matched up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com or download the mobile app and enter code FOOTBALL to get your deposit match. Some restrictions do apply. See the website for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Ashley Blaker, and I'm hosting a new season of the comedy panel show, Never Write Off the Germans, in partnership with my diesel claim. Join me and my esteemed comedy guests as we discuss all that's ridiculous with the greatest show on earth this winter in a host nation with domestic football equivalent to the Isthmian League South. We'll guide you through the tournament covering everything that's funny with the countries taking part, whether you're a diehard fan... Or an occasional bandwagon jumper just supporting your home nation until they're embarrassingly knocked out by Iran. Listen on the Sports Social Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. But remember, never write off the Germans. First one comes in from Brian Edwards. And this is a, actually, I'm very interested if you know the answer to this. Whatever happened to Alan Hassan? He was immense and then just disappeared from Watford. Do you have <laughs> any? Yeah, he was He was a really good player. Uh, yeah, of course. I, I actually commended him for, for uh, Graham also. Uh, we used to play together for the Israeli national team. So, yeah. you know, when Graham, you know, I started to develop the relationship between me and Graham, on, not as a player manager, on other things that I can help. You know, uh, Alon Hazan was an uh, important player for us, you know. So basically, he, you know, he went back to Israel and uh, he's today the manager of the Israeli national team under 21. Yes, he has done. There you go. Uh, yeah, he's done quite, you know, he's been working as the, with the Israeli Football Federation. He's done all the age group and uh, he was at certain point uh, assistant for the national team coach, but very short period. But I, I, And I believe that he will climb up. And uh, But today he's the manager of... Uh, Israel under 21. Oh, fantastic. He's doing quite, fantastic. quite well. He's oh, doing quite well. Brilliant. That's lovely to hear. That's that. Do you still speak to him or do you have contact with him? Of course. I, I just came back. I was in Israel. It was unexpected. I was quite a long time in Israel. So I spoke with him a few times. And yeah, he's, uh, I, basically I saw him uh, just before COVID started. You know, we had uh, an event at Watford and he came to London. Yeah. 
Jesus, and uh, I, I, uh, he was him. He was uh, Michel Ngonge, for example. Oh, Ngonge. He's oh. a player that I'm also in contact with him, uh, too. He, you know, he's, he lives in Belgium, but, you know, part of the year I'm also in Belgium, you know. Fantastic. As you know, my wife is Belgian, so we... Uh, yeah, yeah. Part in Belgium too. Fantastic. Fantastic. I love that. David Lavender, uh, we've we kind of answered this question, but um, I'll, I'll read the first bit out, but you've already answered this, but how did Graham Taylor persuade you to drop two divisions to sign for Watford, which you, you know, you've already covered, but he, it, there's a second part to that. And it's, it's how did you rate Graham Taylor as your manager? I mean, where does he kind of sort of stack up in, and, and you know, in football in terms, you, you've played for some fantastic managers. Absolutely. One of the best managers that I've ever had, you you know, Fantastic. to look at the strengths on his team, yes, on his side. You know, I will never forget the day that he decided and that really started the fantastic run. If you remember the season championship, it was at that time, second mm. division, basically, where we got stuck really in middle table. We started losing games. Yeah. But one day, out of the blue, he decided to change uh, system and decided to stay to play with three strikers, two winger striker, and it was unusual. He said, "We have a strong team behind, a players who are capable running all day long." Yes, so he was ready to risk and to play with the three forward players to stay up completely, not even following or tucking back the uh, players. You know, uh, from that day we started winning games and. You know, it came up until I think the last game before the playoffs. So we we won. We had like I think six six win in a in a row. Yeah, in a row, yeah. Sounds right. Is yeah, that yeah. correct? Is that correct? I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So we were winning games. Yes, we were winning games because we had the midfield who can run all day long. Yeah. So he felt mm. that we. Uh, so I, I will always remember this. That's for sure. You know, fantastic. But he, he was he 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 knew what he was doing. Yeah. Mm. Um, this one's more of a comment, but I quite like it. It's um, when Ronnie Rosenthal used to play for us at Watford. I worked in West Hampstead and would see him jogging up Finchley Road and around and about towards Hampstead Heath with his knees bandaged up. Why was that? It's a good question. It could be <laughs> one of the. It could be one of the. You know the the the, the season. Uh, uh, where I I got injured in the knee, I, I can't remember. Maybe I was like, you know, just before the preseason, I can't remember. But there, yeah, I had yeah. two knee injury while I was playing at, at Watford, so it could be. Well, it could be. Yeah, spotted you yeah. running running around. Yeah, yeah, I like <laughs> jogging around Hampstead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good one. And then, kind of the the, the last sort of Watford related one is how how do you rate your time at Watford? How, you know, how do you sort of sum it up? For me, it was amazing end to my career because sometimes you know a lot of players have really kind of bad memories, ending up maybe not playing, maybe falling mm. out because you know they are towards the end of their career, and obviously you know one day uh, you know uh, young players take your place with me it was the contrary it was mm. just a pleasure and amazing to achieve two promotion in <laughs> in the last two years of my career you yeah, know yeah. 
you couldn't wait for something better than this, you know? Yeah, yeah. So That's basically, it. no, I mean, I, uh, I, I just really enjoy it. I, I, I will always remember the day at, uh, at Wembley, I was uh, there, you know, uh, supporting the team. Uh, I, I, I think I was, I can't remember, I think I was on the bench, basically, I, I think with you some were. other players. Yeah, you were suited and booted, I suppose. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I just, for me, it was a pleasure. It was amazing, you know, to, I didn't know by then that I'm going to finish my career, you know, that was in yeah. May. I knew uh, it's, I'm towards the end of my career, basically. So it was a pleasure, basically. Just some very quick ones. Best goal you've ever scored, no matter what club you, you played for, your favourite goal? I've got a, a similar goal to the one that I scored with Watford. You know, I had amazing Where goal. you against, went for the run. Uh, yes, I went for the run. Yes, I think it was against Blackpool. But uh, that was where I started in halfway, in midway between the halfway line and uh, 18-yard box, right? But I had a goal with the Israeli national team that I started from our box and I've done all the way. <laughs> yeah? And if if uh, uh, anyone wants to watch it, they should put on YouTube, Ronnie Rosenthal best goal. <laughs> so you can get this goal. That was that was international game, a qualifying game against Azerbaijan and the game was uh, played in Turkey due to uh, political unrest in Azerbaijan in 1994, something like this. And I've done all the pitch, you know, uh, amazing run. Brilliant. Uh, where I went past four players and the goalkeeper, or three, four players, I can't remember even. So that, <laughs> I think it was the, you know, spectacular goal. Uh, yeah, but, you know, there are, you know, I, I had the other moment in my career were much more interesting and important than this uh, goal, for sure. But but if you were talking about the goal, probably the best. Lovely, like that. And then the, the last one, and then I promise we'll, we'll, we'll let you go. Player that stands out for you that you've either played with or played against where you, you thought, wow, this is... This is some player. Um, I played with, uh, you know, I played with many top players, uh, many, many. There were two particular players that was, uh, for me, two. One in England, obviously, is John Barnes. You know, yeah. he was uh, amazing talent. You, you know, when you see the goal that is called the Maracana, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. of itself, you know. So he's one. And I had another Belgian player that was an amazing player, was a midfield player. His name was Jan Kulemans, yes. And he actually, uh, I mean, he was the best for me, one of the best ever Belgian players who could play in any in any side in the world, you know. But he always declined leaving his country. All the, uh, you know, at the time Italy was the biggest country. You he yeah. had an offer from Inter, for from AC Milan, and he always declined. He didn't want to leave his country. It's a shame because he had wow. the, he was a player with uh, all qualities, you know, everything basically. So. This is two uh, that I really, uh, you know, but, but there are out. more, but that's really yeah, two. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stood out. yeah it's nice to know that John Barnes is in that list, though, obviously, yeah. the Watford connections yeah, there. So uh, that's of always course. good to know. Do not scratch your eyes. 
Ronnie, thank you very much for coming on the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. Thank you for playing for Watford. Uh, yeah. Thank you for being one of our greatest players. It was always a pleasure to watch you play. Thank you, all of you. I, I still pinch myself that you wore the, the, the yellow of Watford. An honour to watch you play. What, what an amazing career. And, and it's just um, made, my, made my year to speak to you on this. So, so thank you so, so much. Thanks again. All the best. Podcast Network. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <laughs> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.